Hey there, Sports History fan. Arnie Chapman here from the Sports History Network. Now, before you jump into this episode, I wanted to share with you an exciting giveaway we have going on with Homefield Apparel. We have a digital $50 gift card to homefieldapparel.com for one lucky fan of the Sports History Network. All you got to do is head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash giveaways to sign up. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash giveaways. This is Basketball History 101 with Rick Loiza. Welcome back to Basketball History 101, part of the Sports History Network. I am your host, Rick Loiza, and this is the podcast where we bring to life some of the forgotten stories from basketball history. And today, we bring you the story of the rematch between the Harlem Globetrotters and the Minneapolis Lakers. We did an episode late last year called Globetrotters vs. Lakers. It was episode 21, and it was our last episode of 2020. In that episode, I shared the story of the first time that the Harlem Globetrotters played an actual competitive game against the Minneapolis Lakers. If you want to hear that story, go back and check out episode 21. Today's story is about the rematch. The first game was an exhibition game, but both teams were playing to win. Now, I want to be clear that this was a proper competitive game. This was not a typical Globetrotters show with the Lakers as special guests or anything like that. The Lakers were in a proper league and were the reigning champions. The Globetrotters were starting to become a basketball-themed comedy group. However, this was still prior to 1950, when black players were still not allowed to play in the NBA, so many of the best black players ended up on the Globetrotters. The Globetrotters were a team of real players. Most of those guys were good enough to play in the NBA. The first game that these two teams played against each other was wildly successful financially for both teams. They played the first game before a sold-out crowd in the old Chicago Stadium, and the Globetrotters won that game. The first game was played in February of 1948. The rematch was played in February of 1949, February 28th to be exact. The Lakers, and particularly George Mikan, had been waiting to get revenge for just over a year. They wanted this game badly. They were the champions of the top league in the world, and they lost to an independent barnstorming team that focused on comedy more than they did basketball. But again, the Globetrotters players really could play. It was no shame to lose to them, but the Lakers did not see it that way. However, going into the rematch, the Lakers were missing two of their stars. One was future Hall of Famer Jim Pollard, the other was Sweet Carlson, but still the Lakers felt that they had more than enough talent to outlast the Globetrotters. But one significant advantage that the Globetrotters had over the Lakers was the sheer number of players that they had on the bench. This was an exhibition game, so there were no rules about how many players could be on the squad. The Lakers only had 10 players on their roster because the NBA had limited all teams to just 10 players for salary cap purposes. With two of them injured, the Lakers only had eight players available to play the game. Normally, that is fine because rarely does an NBA team go beyond eight players in any given game. But the Globetrotters were more than just one team. They were an organization that sent out three different teams traveling all over the world putting on their show. They were more of an entertainment organization than they were a basketball team. So, for this game against the Lakers, the Globetrotters owner, Abe Saperstein, pulled together the best players from all three teams. 
We do not have the exact number, but according to witnesses, the Globetrotters brought something like 18 players for this one game against the Lakers. If they wanted to purposely foul the Lakers, then they had plenty of bodies to do so. Each of these players had five fouls that they could use against Mikan. Back then, when a player committed a non-shooting foul, the player that was fouled only got one free throw. A very simple strategy was to foul Mikan as soon as he touched the ball, but before he went into his shooting motion. He would get the one free throw and then the Globetrotters would get the ball back. Just like in the first game, there would be no clowning around for the Globetrotters. This was going to be straight up basketball. The rematch was again scheduled to take place in the old Chicago Stadium with over 20,000 tickets sold. At the time, it was the second largest crowd that the stadium had ever had for a basketball game. Another thing that raised the stakes for the Lakers was that Movie Tone was there to film the game. Now back then, TV did not exist the way we think of it today. Yes, the technology of television had been invented, but only the absolute wealthiest people in the country could afford one, and even then, they only received one or two channels. So Movie Tone was the organization that filmed news events and sports games in order to put those highlights into a package that were shown in movie theaters prior to the movie. It was very common back then when you went to the movie theater to see a 10 to 15 minute newsreel that showed the latest news and sports highlights with footage that people would otherwise never have seen. Until then, people received all of their news on radio or the newspaper. But with Movie Tone, people were able to see what was being talked about. Mike and knew that with Movie Tone there filming the game, that highlights of the game would go out to the entire country for the next week. Every moviegoer was going to see highlights of him either winning or losing, and he wanted to make sure that the Lakers won. The Lakers got out to an early 8-1 lead with Goose Tatum taking on the responsibility of guarding George Mikan, but then Nat Sweetwater Clifton switched with Tatum and took over the responsibility of guarding Mikan. The Lakers went into halftime with a 24-18 lead. Then the Globetrotters employed a strategy that worked for them in the second half of the first game played a year earlier. They decided to employ the fast break. They knew that George Mikan could not keep up with him. Also, with 18 total players available, the Globetrotters could keep throwing fresh legs out onto the court to keep the pace and tire out the Lakers. Now, I have mentioned this in previous episodes whenever George Mikan is part of the story. The fact that he was just not very fast, even by 1940 standards. The Lakers played a slow-down, half-court style of offense because they often had to wait until Mikan could get his lumbering body down court and into the post. Now, once he had the ball in the post, he was absolutely deadly. He is in the Hall of Fame for a reason, and I have no issues at all with the fact that the Associated Press named Mikan the best basketball player of the first half of the 20th century. But if a team wanted to take down the Lakers, the best way to do it was with speed, and the Globetrotters dominated the third quarter and led the game 41-32 heading into the fourth quarter. A 9-point lead back then was like a 25-point lead today. Back in the days when most good teams only scored in the 50s for the whole game, having a 9-point lead was huge. In the fourth quarter, the Globetrotters were happy to just maintain the lead by matching the Lakers bucket for bucket. With a 13-point lead, the Globetrotters started going into their comedy routines for the first time against the Lakers. The game was all but decided. Marquez Haynes, maybe the best dribbler of all time, started going into his dribbling routine, sliding on the floor and walking on his knees while dribbling the ball. The crowd was getting a great show. 
Goose Tatum even pulled the hidden ball trick on Mikan to the delight of the crowd. He would fake a pass and then hide the ball under his jersey and walk away as if he had no idea where the ball was. Of course, it was a traveling violation, but the crowd was loving it. As the time clock ticked down, the Lakers actually scored the last nine points of the game because the Globetrotters were busy entertaining the crowd. The final score was 49-45 to 45 Globetrotters, but everyone knew that the Globetrotters had dominated the second half of the game. John Kundla, the head coach of the Lakers, was fuming. He had never been so embarrassed in a game where the other team was pulling comedy routines instead of playing actual basketball. He also did not like that the referees were all hired and paid for by the Globetrotters. If there was ever to be a third matchup, it was going to be in Minneapolis played by NBA rules with NBA referees. Fortunately, the Lakers got that third game just two weeks later in Minneapolis. Just like the Lakers demanded, the Globetrotters had to play by NBA rules with NBA referees, meaning that the Globetrotters could only bring 10 players. Further, the Lakers home arena sat only around 5,000 people and they were all pulling for the Lakers. The Lakers had Jim Pollard and Swede Carlson back, so they had a full, healthy squad. In the rematch, the Lakers blew out the Globetrotters 68-53. Donnie Foreman, one of the guards for the Lakers, entertained the Minneapolis crowd near the end of the game by doing his own dribbling routine. Now how's that for payback? Over the next few years, the Lakers and the Globetrotters would play four more times, and the Lakers won every single one of them. Of course, by then, black players were now playing in the NBA, which meant that the best black players were in the NBA and not on the Globetrotters anymore. It was at that point that the Globetrotters all but ceased playing competitive games and played solely for entertaining games that we know today. All in all, the Lakers and the Globetrotters played each other seven times in competitive games. The Globetrotters won the first two, but then the Lakers won the next five. So that is our story for today. Join us next week when we do a profile on the career of Nate Tiny Archibald, the only player in NBA history to lead the league in scoring and assists in the same season. That's next time on Basketball History 101, part of the Sports History Network, the headquarters of Sports Yesteryear. Go to sportshistorynetwork.com to find out more about this and other sports history podcasts. If you like what you hear, please hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts. Also, go ahead and give us a rating and a review, and that will help others to find this podcast more easily. And check out our page on Facebook. It's called Basketball History 101 Podcast. There, you will find shorter historical posts as well as comments and discussion starters on today's game. I'll also announce there when new episodes come out. I want to thank my producer and editor, Jacob Loiza. Join us each week as we continue to mine the history of basketball for more great stories from the past. Take care and see you soon. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. This is Mark Mortier, and if you're a sports history fan like me, tune in and hear me talk about some great sports moments of the past. Growing up during the 1970s, I got to watch some of the most iconic moments in sports history. Hank Aaron breaking Babe Ruth's home run record. Willis Reed limping out of the locker room in Game 7 of the NBA Finals at Madison Square Garden as the fans 
erupted with a thunderous ovation. The 1980 Miracle on Ice as Team USA defeated the powerful Soviet Union in the Olympics. Listen every Tuesday on Yesterday's Sports. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.